Welcome to Prone to Wonder, a podcast where no questions are off limits. Join us, Amber Humphreys, Becca Robinson, and Vanessa Fernandez each week as three best friends, women, and ex-ministry junkies navigate conversations about deconstruction, reconstruction, growth, and wondering aloud about all the things we weren't supposed to wonder. Each of us having different perspectives, these conversations aren't about having all the answers, but about giving yourself permission to ask questions and forge your own path. We're so glad you've joined us. Welcome to another episode of Prone to Wonder. We are extra excited about this one because it highlights the brilliance of our very own Vanessa Fernandez, who we love and adore. Vanessa is an Enneagram teacher, but I feel like that doesn't even begin to describe what she does or how well she does it. Um, But she is not just our best friend, but globally recognized and totally bomb which is what the kids say (laughs) now, I'm sure of it. Uh, But we had an amazing discussion with her about Enneagram and how that processes and healing and deconstruction and reconstruction. And we can't wait for you guys to listen. And you can also find her on Instagram, the Enneagram workshop, right? Is there any dashes or anything? No, right? just at the Enneagram workshop. So go follow her there. And for now, let's get to it. I sent, I've sent several people this week to your typing resource. Oh, so we'll just be talking like, well, I think I'm that. And I'm like, um, I don't think so. But <laughs> my best friend is a very important Enneagram teacher. And uh, you should go use her resource because it's really different. And I think it'll really help you. Like, this is why. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I've sent a lot of people your way this week. Yeah. I'm like a Enneagram workshop ambassador. <laughs> Just use code Amber15 for. No, I need to get like a referral code going. <laughs> Jared and I, um, our personalities are so different and our, the way we process things are so different. You know, so he's a five and I'm a seven. And so his whole deconstruction and, reconstruction or whatever and all of his questions have been very cerebral very um you know it's it started a long time ago for him everything's been very philosophical and like breaking down this and and for me it's been much more emotionally driven that's what kind of launched mine it was a much more emotional process so I think that Enneagram can be um not only a great healing tool, but I think it could also for you personally, but also maybe help you even understand other people in your life better and how they're processing things, knowing that it's not all going to be the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a really interesting connection between the Enneagram and the deconstruction community. Um, a lot of people have deconstructed through like Enneagram was like the entry drug <laughs> for a lot of people because one of the big teachers of the Enneagram, his name is Richard Rohr, and he has a lot of books on spirituality and kind of questioning. Sorry. Richard Rohr is an Enneagram teacher? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm leaving now. I Like, I like what? I didn't even know that. <laughs> what? Yeah. Do you know him from something else? From other- I, mean, I know his book, but like, I just, I, don't, I didn't know it had like anything to do with Enneagram at all. Yeah, yeah. Like a universal Christ. 
like yeah. I started that book, but like I just had zero idea that. Um, Is he like a Rob Bell character? Even more spiritual. Like it's there. They have a lot of similar ideologies, but mm-hmm. Rob Bell's more of like a like a public figure, author, teacher. And like, I think Richard Rohr is a little more like, has more of a guru feel. Like a little hermit who like is in this, he's in New Mexico and like this contemplative, you know, (laughs) um, esoteric kind of feel to him. And then would he be someone that we would likely book like a weekend retreat in Sedona with? Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's the vibe. Okay. Bell, you would want to go to one of his talks, maybe interview him, like, you know, go to a tour. But like, um, uh, yeah, Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr, like, I feel like if you sit with him, you're going to just feel like he can see into your soul. And he yeah. will just like energetically like rock your world or something like, but in a very quiet, like powerful way, you know, um, he's been on Oprah and he's been mm-hmm. like, he's, he's amazing, but He's one of the few. So the Enneagram used to be a, um, oh my gosh, what is it called when it's just like a verbal tradition where it's just passed on from teacher to student? Oral. Oral, thank you. Oral tradition where there's nothing written down and actually it was almost guarded. Like the, the world cannot know this. It's too powerful. We can only give it person to person, if you feel like that person is worthy, if they're your protege, if they're your, you know, you're going to pour your life into them and teach them this wisdom. And so Richard Rohr was part of a very small cohort of people who had it taught to them um, through the Jesuit priest kind of line, basically, because it kind of came out through the Jesuits. And so, yeah, he's one of the original teachers in the United States of the Enneagram, And so a lot of people knew him from that and then would continue to read his books and his perspective on not just the Enneagram, but the human experience, which comes at it through this idea that if there's nine points on the Enneagram and we imagine that truth is right in the middle, none of us can see truth in its completeness. Because if I'm standing over here and you're standing over here, I see this side of it, but I don't see the backside and you see the other part, but you can't see what I see. And the angles at which we stand kind of, yes, there's objective truth, but none of us is seeing it fully. And in order for us to actually have a full experience of it, we have to listen to each other, believe each other, reach out to each other, have a collective conversation where we humbly say, I don't see it all. And so I invite you to tell me your perspective. And I think that is really when you kind of embrace that as as a a paradigm for life, you kind of have to let go of some of the traditional religious ideas that we own truth and we own all of truth and we know all of truth from our one perspective. So that's where Enneagram sometimes really is that entry drug into (laughs) deconstruction, because all of a sudden you're confronted with this wisdom that you know to be true as you start seeing your friends and family in the Enneagram and you're like, oh my gosh, you see this, this situation this way and I see it completely different. Oh, of course, because we're in different points of the Enneagram. Then all of a sudden you're like, and what about the rest of the world and everything else? Is everything like this? Does everyone have a limited view on truth? And we actually don't fully know it from our own limited perspective. It just kind of like, once you start pulling out into this wider view, 
everything kind of starts to fall apart <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> so that's where I think it's a really interesting, yes, it's a personality typing system, but for those who go all the way deep, it really is like an entry drug into some pretty hardcore deconstruction. That's actually how my deconstruction went. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I started doing Enneagram learning. Actually, it was at a Beachbody Summit. I think it was in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> and I downloaded it, this book on Kindle. And I remember we were walking through a tunnel. I don't know if you remember this, Becca, but we were like walking through this tunnel to get into the stadium. We had to go through this tunnel and go through security. And, and I can still remember being like, oh my gosh, I just read the first chapter of this Enneagram book. And, and you were like, yeah, I've done the Enneagram, made to seven and da, 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 da. And I was just like, I don't know what any of it means, but it's so cool. And that was like my kickoff into, <laughs> like I can still, you know, you have those memories where you can literally like see exactly where you were and exactly what was happening around you. That's, I can like, we're walking in the tunnel and I'm just like, ah. And so that, I just started going into the Enneagram and then reading a lot of Richard Rohr and then just even sitting with a lot of these concepts of, yes, there are things objectively true. No, not any one person can fully see it all. We need each other. We need to listen to each other. Even there are some scholars who take the Enneagram and kind of plot out the different world religions. There's actually nine major world religions and there's nine Enneagram types. And so you can kind of, yeah, (laughs) you can kind of plot the nine world religions. Um, And I don't know all of them, but I know Christianity at its heart is supposed to be a two which is the nurturing, giving, loving. But when it goes bad, it either moves into the one wing, which is to be a perfectionist and demand everyone to be right. Or it goes into the three wing, which is to be a showman and be preachers and sneakers. And, you know, I'm internally screaming right now. (laughs) Isn't that wild? And, um, and then uh, Islam is. Okay. We need to pause because I just, I didn't process what was just happened. I know. Amber, are you with me? <laughs> I mean, like, yes. I like when you were like at its heart, it's supposed to be a two. I'm like, yeah, that totally checks. And then you're like, but in when it's bad, it can go into like one. I was like, oh my god, like literally all of American Christianity right now. I can't, I can't. Like, I physically like. Um, all right, thank you for listening to our podcast. It's bye. Like, what? What do I? Do <laughs> like now, yeah. now I need yeah. to know. Like, I'm gonna need a chart of all of them. I want to know what all the other ones are. Like, is Buddhism a nine? Is it Buddhism nines? Who's the four? Where do I What's a seven? What's what a seven? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know all of them. I, I, I know. Um, yeah, I don't know all of them. I just remember Christianity. And I think Islam is an eight. So like very um, body centered and action oriented and protective. Yeah, I think Buddhism is probably... A nine or a five, because fives kind of pull away into contemplative practice and then they don't feel like they have any needs. You know, like I'm just going to minimize my needs. I don't need much. Um, I just want to be in my head. My head's So anyways, I can look up all the different nine religions and where they correlate. But it's when I saw that, I was just like, oh, my gosh, none of this makes sense. Okay, and then here's the big kicker. And I'll stop here and because I feel like I've been talking too much. But the big kicker for me with the deconstruction personally is that the whole idea of the Enneagram is that 
we were created or we came into this world whole and complete. And then we lost sight of some essential truths. And when we lost sight of that, we reacted out of fear. Like, oh my gosh, there's no truth. Oh my gosh, there's no goodness. Oh my gosh, there's no provision. We lost perception of one of the nine essential truths. And when we felt like it didn't belong in the world, we worked hard to fabricate it. And all of the nine different personality types is nine different ways that we can't rest because we're trying to fabricate something that we perceive as missing in the world. And then that creates all of our suffering for us, actually. And then the returning home to ourselves is returning home to remembering that actually everything is here. Everything is here. And the, the perception of something being missing is just that, a perception and not the reality. Um, and we actually need each other to help us remember that it's already here because what you might see is, oh yeah, of course, Vanessa, that's in this world. From my perspective, I'm like, I can't see it. You know, just the, the same illustration of there being truth in the middle of the circle and where I'm standing, I can't see the backside of it, but you can in your perspective. And you're like, no, I can see it. It's right there. You've got to trust. And then you can release, you know, your constant striving for making things. And so that really came against some of the theology that I grew up under, which was no, we were born totally depraved and totally wicked and nothing good in us. And all the evil that we do is because we're just wicked, awful people. And so that started chipping away. And I was like, actually, this makes a lot more sense to me, not just in my mind, but it makes sense in my body too. And it makes sense in my heart. And one thing I've been, you know, in the Enneagram, we talk a lot about that we are three centered beings, that we have both head intelligence, heart knowing and body experience. And for something to be true, true, it has to be true for all three centers. And a lot of Christianity is true some in some twisted way. Mentally, you can make an argument for it, but it doesn't feel true in the heart and it doesn't feel true in the body. And for something to be true, true, it has to feel true in all three centers. And that's where a lot of Christianity disconnects us from our body, because if we are connected to our body, we know that there are certain theologies that are just not true. And so that also like reconnecting me to those three centers just helped me to feel my way into like, wait, this doesn't feel true. And what if we're actually whole? And what if this is all just a reaction to fear and it's not depravity? And then, the, you know, the slippery slope, I just started like sliding into total um, just being radically inclusive of all parts of myself, not rejecting any parts of myself. That's a big piece of the Enneagram. We reject parts of our humanity in order to maintain this fabricated piece of what's missing. So my type, for example, I'm a three and I perceive that there's no hope in the world. I feel like, oh my gosh, hope is missing. And how can I create hope? I know I'll do it all. I'll build all the things, I'll achieve all the things, I'll win all the things, I'll bring value to people. And if I can do enough good in the world, then people will have hope and they'll hope in me. I will become what I feel like is missing in the essential qualities of the world. But then I can never stop doing, I can never stop producing. I mean, you guys know, I'm always saying like, am I doing too much? <laughs> and, then, and you guys are always like, yes. So it's that constant I can't rest until I produce enough hope in the world. Um, 
And that's just because I've, I'm afraid that it doesn't exist. And when I remember it does exist, I can let it go. But that also gives me so much compassion for myself to say, I'm not, I'm not an evil person. I'm just confused. <laughs> and I just need to remember and reconnect to what's true. And it all falls away. So anyways, I don't know. That's probably a little bit of a messy explanation, but that's really how things started to fall apart for me with my religious beliefs. Let's do the Enneagram. I was just going to say, it's funny to me that you said that and had that experience because when I first heard of the Enneagram, like all the books, everybody I knew that was doing it was churches. Everybody who I knew who was teaching not that I knew, but like everybody that I found that was teaching the Enneagram was teaching it through like this biblical lens. And that was something I struggled with when you first got into it. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't want to learn like a new, like Christian personality typing index. I don't want to like, I'm not going to read these books that are by these like Bible study teachers because a lot of churches used it as leadership tool, which makes sense, you know, cause they use a lot of the different personality assessments, but I didn't know about that other guy. Now I'm like really curious about his books. But it was like, we had conversations where I talked to you about it. And I was like, yeah, I just, if this is really just about, you know, finding your way back to Jesus, I don't want, I don't want to learn this thing. <laughs> so it's well, funny. It's about, yeah. Well, and it is about finding your way back to the divine, but the divine is actually within you. And it has always been, that's kind of the, right. the way it is, but. I think a lot of churches have taken it and co-op not co-opted it, but formed it to fit into what they want it to fit into, which which is fine. To the American <laughs> yeah. It's fine. And actually a lot of they do. <laughs> well, within within the Enneagram, there's a lot there is a lot of religious diversity, honestly. Um and actually I think it came through Jesuit priests, but it also really has its roots in Sufi, the Sufi religion, and then a lot of contemplatives, and it's big in Catholic circles, and like it, because it does kind of, all that it does invite you in to do is be willing to believe that there are multiple perspectives, and they're all equally valid, and actually they're all needed. And so then there is room for everyone's perspective. As long as your perspective is not one that says it's the only, this is the only perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how do you think the Enneagram could be helpful for someone's journey, whether they're deconstructing or reconstructing or kind of wherever they add on that, on that journey, how do you think Enneagram could help them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, The Enneagram by itself is like a map. Um, You can have a map, but it doesn't take you anywhere unless you take the steps. And so I would actually say the Enneagram is helpful to to illuminate where you are and illuminate where you might want to go and illuminate the path that that would be. But the steps that you take and an Enneagram world and with Enneagram teachers, we do a lot of contemplative practice. So whether that is meditation, centering prayer, um, we do a lot of embodiment work and we've talked a little bit about embodiment and how that's so helpful in this deconstruction journey. So I would say Enneagram is helpful because it kind of, 
gives you a starting point for how you might want to use some of these practices in a way that will support you and your own nervous system, right? So as we're going through the deconstruction journey, it's very hard on the nervous system. It's very hard on our sense of trust feels like it's being shattered. (laughs) Our sense of, you know, what's up, what's down, my bearings is kind of going away. There's a loss of community and all of that is really traumatic on the nervous system, but it's traumatic on the nervous system for different reasons, depending on what type you are. So when you know your type, you can say, okay, this is why this experience is so difficult for me. And here are some practices that will uniquely support me and resource me to work my way through this deconstruction process and to return home. It even helps to illuminate what parts of myself am I rejecting and dehumanizing because it feels safer not to. So there's, you know, certain types like my own (laughs) that we reject vulnerability. And so even knowing that helps me to say in my deconstruction journey, I want to not have to be vulnerable, intellectualize everything, talk about everything, externally like ah, fight against everything. But if I never turn inward and access my vulnerability, I'm not going to integrate fully and really heal fully. So it just helps to know, okay, this is where you want to turn away and we want to turn toward. Okay, this is how your nervous system might break down and here's how we resource it. So that's really the best sort of way to use the Enneagram is just uh, for clarity and understanding of yourself and how to make your way through. What would you say to people who are intimidated by the Enneagram or think like, that's just, that's too much. Like, I know my personality type, like, I don't, I don't need to all that, which it's funny because my, isn't, that is an Enneagram type. I feel like it tends to be my husband, (laughs) um, who is a five. And so he's like, I'm not like, I hate this test. I don't want to do that. Like, you know, so what do you have to say to those people? <laughs> uh, it's okay. The Enneagram is not necessary for being a, a full, whole, healthy human being. And I often feel that if you need the illumination that the Enneagram brings, you will be open to it. And if you don't need it or it's not the form that would be helpful or receptive to you, then you don't need it. And you don't, that's not the form that it's, that needs to come through. I believe we all receive guidance when we need it and how we need it. And sometimes the how, like some people need it in a person, not a system. (laughs) Other people prefer a system and aren't safe with people yet. And we, you know, there's so many different ways that we can, be resourced and and be held and be, you know, led and provided for, you know, energetically and emotionally that I would, I would say if you're feeling resistance to the Enneagram, don't, don't push it, don't force it. There's nothing wrong with you. It's simply a tool. Um, What I would encourage if you're feeling resistance to it is to just get curious around that. Um, And maybe just ask yourself, what about the Enneagram makes me feel resistant? Do I feel like Becca, you were saying like, do I feel like it's a a churchy system that's going to pull me back into some oppressive structures that I'm trying to get free from? Okay, that's fine. Then, then don't come near it. Don't come near things that don't feel safe to you energetically, but just come into contact with your own self and ask yourself, why does that feel resistance to it? 
Do I feel like I don't want to be told who I am? Okay, why does it feel uncomfortable to look at who you are? Are there parts of yourself you don't want to see? Are there parts of yourself you're not ready to see? And that's okay too, right? You could come to that point and say, yeah, there's parts of myself I'm not ready to see. It feels too exposing, too vulnerable, and that's okay. Then just be there. Just be there. We don't have to rush the journey or make it happen in any sort of way. So that's what I would say to that is that it's just a tool and there's no, um, there's no need to go where we're not ready. But it's always helpful to have curiosity around like, what's the deal? You know, just so you know for yourself where you're at. Mm-hmm. I know for me, it, learning more about it beyond just the kind of surfacey personality test vibe that a lot of these things can have. What the way that it helped me was it just made me feel less crazy. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if that's something specific to my type, but I feel, Amber, I feel like we've had conversations where when you figured out you were a seven, all of a sudden a lot clicked for you. So like, maybe this is a universal experience. Like when you really find your type, you're like, okay, I'm not insane. The reason why I'm feeling all of these things, the reason why I'm reacting this way, which is different from my partner or my friend or my mom or my dad is this. So I don't know. I feel like maybe that could be a huge benefit for people is like so much of spiritual awakening, dark night of the soul, deconstruction, asking questions can feel very isolating and you can start to feel like you're crazy, especially if your process looks different than the people that are immediately closest to you or your reactions are different than the people immediately close to you. Um, It's also a good, um, marker for me if I'm responding to something healthily or Mm -hmm. not because in health I move towards a five which is more like my husband which means I I tend to think about things more and I don't just like you know move move, move. I'm not as impulsive um but if I lean into like um a perfectionism or that kind of like very hard like you know stress like like a one um then I know that I'm operating out of stress. So I feel like that's been very helpful for me as well. Yeah. Do we want to talk about how I had to like tell you you're not a three? (laughs) I was just telling somebody. Amber's Amber's, um, freedom from (laughs) shame and guilt when she realized that she wasn't a three. Well, I thought I was just a bad three. (laughs) I really just thought I was like a really not good at being a three, three, um, that I just wasn't as driven as I was supposed to be or whatever. Cause you know, everybody tells you, especially when you're on stages, um, people have, um, thoughts about you or like ideas about you or or who you are. Like most people don't know that I'm not like a straight up extrovert even, you know, they think, Oh, she loves parties and extrovert. And especially now that I'm a seven, like if I'm a seven on stage, people think I am just party central when really I'm the biggest homebody and I just want to land bed and read, you know, by myself with an audio book. Um, and so, but people think they know you. And so I really thought I was a three, but then like, I was really bad at it. So I just felt guilty about that. (laughs) And then when Vanessa was like, I hate to break it to you, but you're a seven. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not a seven because I don't like parties. Like they're the worst. (laughs) And like, I always thought to be a seven, you had to, you know, want to be going all the time and you loved parties and like, you know, because the only sevens I knew and like, you know, the memes, because the memes will throw you people. Let me, 
let me go on record with you. The memes are great, but they will throw you because there are subtypes which change things. And then there are, you know, people operating in health or in stress. Like, so there's, there's a lot to unpack there. And so the memes always had me thinking like, well, I can't be a seven. But when you explained it to me and that I was the counter type and all of this, it like totally checked out. And I was like, Oh no. Like it really just like lined up for me and it really helped me. I was like, no, I'm actually really good at being a seven. I'm actually (laughs) a very stable, healthy seven, (laughs) not a really bad three. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that was really helpful for me. Yeah. I, I tried and I think maybe only like two or three times in my whole life have I told someone that's not your type. <laughs> and you were, you were like one of the first ones that I was like, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I think it might help you. And actually, Becca, to your point of it making you feel less crazy. Yes, it does. And also, I think it allows us to be our own brand of human and know that it's okay and I think for a lot of us coming out of very rigid descriptors, you know, even, even the fruits of the spirit, which side note, there are nine fruits of the spirit and they do all align with the nine, <laughs> the nine Enneagram types. We won't go into that right now, but that's a, that's a thing too. There's, there's a lot, but um, okay, wait, one more. So, you know, Homer's the Odyssey where he travels back from Troy and he goes to nine different lands and each of the nine lands are the nine different types in order. And it's a return from a place of fear and war back home. And he has to travel through the nine different types to come home. Okay. Now I feel like I need to like redo that. I know. I'm like, I mean, it's been I haven't done that since like high school. And I need to like, <laughs> Which was a real long time ago. <laughs> you got your dirty mouth. It was like five years ago. You could ago. you could be a high schooler's mother. I figured that out this week. So look, don't project your <laughs> on me because you because you felt bad about that this week. <laughs> I could be a high schooler's mother, Ugh. but like cool mom. Like not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things I also think Enneagram has been great for is um, relationships. Um, And, you know, because my husband and I, and I mentioned this earlier in the recording and I don't know what will get cut or moved around, but, um, you know, he processes things really different from me. He's Mm -hmm. a five. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's been very helpful for me in understanding him and how he processes things, including a lot of the same ideas, because I, I will literally, he's probably the, mo- the person I'm the most seven with. Cause I'll run in like, let's move to insert whatever I'm feeling at the moment. Or like, I'm going to start this or like, I, this is my aesthetic now, or, you know, whatever <laughs> he has to put up with my impulsive ridiculousness. But, um, you know, and a lot of t- before, I think, especially when it came to, like, I'm glad I had some basis for all of this beforehand, because then when it came to, like, the deconstruction and all that, it's helped me realize, like, he's not going to have the same 
process as me. And like some of the stuff he's already processed just in a very quiet way, you know, in a very internal, quiet, whatever. Um, and so not expecting him to go through the same yeah. steps as me. Like we are a lot of time, we, uh, most of the time, I would say like 95% of the time end up at the same conclusion, but the road we took to get there is very different. And it's mm-hmm. given me a patience and respect for the way he does that. Mm-hmm. Which is so helpful because I do think, especially when you're starting your deconstruction journey and you find other people maybe who are deconstructed as well or, or whatever, I know that I would like share with them parts of how I'm feeling almost like, are you feeling that too? Like, like looking for someone who can relate because what I'm experiencing right now is so far outside of the norm that you're almost like, tell me I'm not crazy. Like you were saying Becca. And sometimes people tell you you're not crazy. And sometimes people are like, well, when I deconstructed, actually, I don't feel that way at all. And it can be really jolting to be like, oh my gosh, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing deconstruction wrong? Like why, why do I feel this way? And they don't. And because you're so swirling from having this stability that was previously there and not there anymore. And so it does help knowing the Enneagram being like, okay, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the way that I am going through this. And also they're going through something very different and that's fine too. And just having all of this space to just be who we are and it not having to look a certain way, or like you said, we could arrive at the same place or we could arrive at different places and we're definitely going to take different paths to get there. And all of that is okay. And I think that's just so beautiful. It's just a beautiful freedom, especially when we are so used to being said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. There's one narrow path. There's one tiny little um, you know, gateway. And then we're all going to cram ourselves into that. At least for me, the Enneagram has said, there is the full entire spectrum of humanity and you get to embody all of it. And you get to be the three is three you want to be, or the four is four you want to be and like all of it images. So here's another like kind of personal belief when it comes to the Enneagram that every type is a different facet of divine love. So, you know, when you take a prism and you shine white light through it, and then it splits out into all these different colors. And to me, each Enneagram type is a different color on the spectrum. We're all reflecting divine light. We're all reflecting essential qualities. And there's just something beautiful in that, that I don't have to put myself into white light, but I'm purple light. And that's not any different than white light. It's just a different fragment of it. Um, And that's been really beautiful too, because I think it just allows for this wider expression of who we are without abandoning that we're all still divine creatures. (laughs) We're all still um, have that beautiful light within and it can look different. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this conversation, we would love to hear your questions and comments, possibly even answering them in a follow-up episode. You can head to www.askptw.com and shoot us a text message, or if you're comfortable, send us a voice message that we might use in a future episode. Let's dive back in. You know, uh, just from, I don't know, things working out the way they do, I a lot of my clients are deconstructing or have deconstructed. And we have um, been exploring a lot around 
grief. And we've been exploring a lot around how each type grieves and how each type pulls away from grief and what that looks like and how we can embrace grief, the grief of deconstructing. Um, And that's been really beautiful even to like, so I do a lot of somatics in my practice with my clients and even different types have different types of breath work and different types of body movements that unlock things that are being held in them. And so even knowing, like, for example, I'm a heart centered type. So I hold a lot of my pain in my chest and in my heart center. And so a lot of the somatic work that I do is to sort of wrap that space in love, wrap that space in safety because it is so broken and wounded. But other types that I work with, their pain is in their belly and they feel just so much tension in the gut. And so a lot of their work is actually to strengthen um, their legs, to feel and hold up what's going on in their gut so that the gut can release and doesn't feel like if I let go of this, I'm going to collapse. And so there's just different, even somatic practices that I, I'm able to work with my clients depending on their type. And it's not cookie cutter. Like it's not like every type we do the same exercise, but it's just a great starting point to say, okay, you are a head type. Here's what we need to do. Here's where we're going to start and just see how your body reacts and then kind of go from there and, and listen to the body's cues. So, so that's been really beautiful as well to just use again, the Enneagram as like that map so that when we're exploring the psyche, we're not like starting from zero and we have some, some shortcuts to kind of say, okay, we're going to at least start here because this is where your, um, your archetype holds on to things. And what would that look like to release that? Maybe you could explain like, what, what does that look like behind the door of working with somebody? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I would strongly suggest anyone going through deconstruction to find someone to support you. That can be, that can be a friend. I would recommend a professional of some sort. Um, And mostly because of what we talked about with the nervous system and how taxing it is on the nervous system. And I've had friends who have almost like gone into a nervous breakdown (laughs) going through their deconstruction or, you know, things like that. And so I highly recommend that you find some sort of support when you're going through deconstruction. Um, Books are good. Podcasts are good. And oftentimes we can find our types from those or from quizzes or the resource that I have. There are certain instances, though, when what we see about our type written out is something that we don't like. And what we don't like to see in ourselves, our bodies actually hide that from us. And so we're often not aware that we're doing certain things because we don't like them. We don't want to see them like that confirmation bias. I'm only going to see the things that align with who I believe myself to be. And so a lot of times when people come to me and I do typing sessions with them and they're like, you know, I don't know if I'm this type or I don't know if I'm that type. When I start digging in, well, what do you like about this type? What do you don't, what do you not like? And they start telling me what they don't like about that type. I can almost even see it in their body that their body is blocking off from them the wisdom to know that that is their type because it feels too, 
either vulnerable or contrary to how they want to be. So anyway, all that to say, even in the journey of finding your type, there's beautiful expansion that you can engage in to even be open enough to see what your type is, is a beautiful gift. But on the back end of actually doing coaching work, um, oh, it's just so good. It, my favorite part of doing coaching work is to remind people that there is nothing wrong with you and that you're actually not broken. And that actually everything that you engage with, even the parts or the activities that maybe you know are not the healthiest, is just your own self trying to protect you. It's actually your own self trying to take care of you in the best way that it knows how. And there is something that happens to the nervous system, especially if you grew up like me and were told your whole life that you were completely depraved and rotten sinner and nothing good in you. When the first time I heard someone say there is nothing broken with you or wrong with you, like my entire nervous system just like melted. Like I just started weeping like I, I, because it resonated so deeply to a deep truth that I think I had always known in my body. And this is kind of goes back to what I was saying of like, if a theology doesn't resonate as truth between all three centers, it's not fully true. And when someone told me there's nothing wrong with you, you're not broken. That part of me that knew that that was true. It just resonated with me that like I had always known that to be true, but I could never let myself believe it. And the minute that it was reflected back to me, I would, I was just like, oh, and that's not something, I mean, I guess you could read it in a book, but it's one thing to read in a book, you know, there's nothing wrong with us as humans. We are a species that da da da, and we're whole. It's another thing to really sit with another human being and then look you in the eyes and say, you know, that there's nothing wrong with you, Mm -hmm. right? You know that you're not broken, You are whole and complete and beautiful just as you are. And even the parts of you, listen, I know I'm not a saint. I know I do things. I was just yelling at my kids. I know know that I have reactions that I'm not proud of, but knowing that those reactions come from a disruptive nervous system, from a place of fear and insecurity helps me to know that actually what I need is not shame and punishment, but actually support and resources and grounding and calming and centering. And when my body feels safe and my heart feels seen, then my actions reflect that. And when that's not the case, then my actions reflect that. And that's just a completely different paradigm. That's such a gentle, compassionate holding space that I couldn't just know intellectually. I needed to sit with another human being and let their energetic system interact with mine so that I could begin to expand into that feeling. And it was very gradual. Like at first I was like, oh, that sounds really true. And I was crying. And then I would like contract again when I would experience, you know, interactions with my family when I, you know, lost my temper or whatever, I would contract back in and be like, oh, I'm such a terrible person. And then I'd come back to my therapy sessions or with my spiritual guide. And she would remind me of that again. And I would expand a little bit more and be like, oh yes, that is so true. And I'm feeling resourced. And then I would contract again. And it was like this, it was baby steps to be able to re-embody and re-embrace what I knew to be true, but it was beautiful. And I think that's where having someone Mm -hmm. to walk you through, I don't know, at least from my experience, that was absolutely 100% just a necessary guide for me. 
Hey friends, I'm sure you can hear what a pivotal role the Enneagram played in my own deconstruction and reconstruction and re-identifying work. And because of this and all of the um, individuals who have reached out to me and who I've had the privilege of walking through their own deconstruction process, I have decided to launch a practice of coaches that use the Enneagram and somatic work in order to walk individuals through the deconstruction process. It's called the Guided Expansion. We're launching very soon, but for now you can follow us at the Guided Expansion on Instagram. You can also check out our website at theguidedexpansion.com. We'll be launching very soon and hopefully be privileged to walk some of you through the deconstruction process with lots of compassion, love, and support. I think it can be helpful in any sort of personal growth, deconstructing or spiritual awakening or not, but especially when it comes to those really deep things like your belief system that are rooted in so much, uh, sadly, so much shame and fear for a lot of people, like so much of our protective things are, are it's like you have roots that are growing through everything and it's hard to untangle them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much of the harm I think that we experience in religious environments is when they bypass our humanity and when they don't see us and when they don't, you know, like even Becca, when you were sharing your story and that was such a good episode and it was just so much about, I was in pain and nobody saw me. They just wanted to form me into the good Christian woman. And they were telling me what the good Christian woman does and how the good Christian woman behaves. And it was like, we don't see your humanity. We don't bear witness to it. And in fact, we need you to get rid of that and become this. Mm -hmm. We need you to let go of that and actually conform and morph into this. And so to me, it's, it is a really healing work to flip it on its head and say, actually, to be fully human is to be fully divine. Actually, to be my full self and return back to who I actually am is the most worshipful thing I can do. And um, that is just so empowering. And I think that's where it does intersect so beautifully with deconstruction and re-embodiment and coming home to ourselves. It's like literally been... I mean, you guys know, like, this is what I do. This is what I do with my life. And I just can't, I'm so grateful for it. Honestly. Want to work with you um, or learn more about Enneagram? Where can they go? So I mostly live on Instagram at the Enneagram workshop. And then also my website is the Enneagram workshop.com. And I am working on opening a practice of coaches specifically geared toward helping women deconstruct through using the Enneagram and somatic practices. So that'll be launching later in September, October timeframe, but I'll be announcing it over at the Enneagram workshop. So if you follow me over there, you can dig into the Enneagram and learn about this deconstructing coaching if that sounds like something that would be helpful. And I do have um, like a free mini course also. When you go to my Instagram, you can find it. And it's like, I don't know, five or six lessons that I do that's just free. You can kind of go through the foundations of the Enneagram and see if it's a helpful tool. So, 
Well, thanks so much for joining us. We would love for you to be a part of the conversation. So connect with us. We would love to hear what you have to say. So see you next Monday. Hey friends, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would take just a quick minute to leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Those reviews let us know what episodes are resonating the most deeply with you. And they also help our podcast to get in front of the eyes of other people who might be interested in the same topics. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are not enjoying this, maybe just don't leave a review. It's it's fine. We're good. Thank you so much. <laughs> and if you never want to miss an episode, all you have to do is text us the word updates to 770-904-9222. And we will send you a text message each time new episodes drop or anytime we have exciting announcements or information. Yeah, and you can also connect with us on Instagram at prone to wonder co. All right, we'll see you there.